Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast for preachers, teachers, and all other lovers of the Hebrew Scriptures. I'm Rachel Wren. And I'm Tim McNinch. This week we're taking a look at the first reading for February 2nd, Groundhog's Day. Do you ever feel like, do you ever feel like we're just like doing Isaiah over and over and over again? Well, this week we have something a little different. Punxsutawney Phil has not seen his shadow and we are heading into the prophet Micah. So uh, this is this is another classic text and Rachel has some really helpful insights for us as we get into uh, Black History Month. Yeah, absolutely. February 2nd is the first Sunday of Black History Month. What I want to do is to somehow try to help um, or to encourage people to use this as an opportunity. I think a lot of times um, preachers can sometimes feel like they're asked to do so much from the pulpit. They're supposed to preach the gospel. They're supposed to comfort the afflicted. They're supposed to afflict the comfortable. They're supposed to have a message that includes social justice. They're supposed to bring people into the pews. They're supposed to float Mm -hmm. the next year's budget with a sermon. I mean, sometimes these sermons can be asked to be so weighty. Mm -hmm. And I think we really feel that, especially when it comes to really big issues like sexism, like racism, like any of the isms. If you are in a context that identifies more as conservative or more at um, just its reality, more uh, of a homogenous white community, it can feel really, really dangerous to preach that sermon. And it can be really dangerous to preach that sermon uh, about racism. What I want to lift up in this opportunity with Micah 6 coming on the first Sunday of Black History Month is to just encourage preachers to ask themselves, how might I take one small step in that direction? Um, I I got to teach a class this semester, The Theology of the Prophets, and one of my students is a second career guy in his 60s who meets with other 60 and 70 and 80-year-old men on Wednesday mornings for a breakfast Bible study. Mm. He, He wanted to tackle Hosea with them. And uh, for any of you who don't know, Hosea, the first part of Hosea, is one of the most difficult images in the Bible because it presents God as a husband and Israel as an adulterous, unfaithful wife. She's actually called a whore. And he wanted to tackle this uh, passage with his men to start to talk about patriarchy and sexism and oppression of women. And I was like, okay, man, go for it, (laughs) you know. And um, and what he sent me is he was struggling as he was looking for resources to find anything that was getting people into that first part of the conversation. Mm. He said all of the resources were seemed to be for people who already agreed some, on something about patriarchy or about oppression against women. And he wanted to just begin that conversation with these men. And he wasn't finding resources that were helping him just have an entree into it. Um, so, so that's my hope for preachers with this text this week, that if you're in a situation that feels like it's not exactly safe or it hasn't been very comfortable to try to have that talk, topic about racism, perhaps use this Sunday and this text as an opportunity to just take a first step into that conversation. 
Yeah, I think that's a that's a fantastic bridge into thinking about those big issues together as a congregation. Um, can we give them a couple other tools, perhaps, for understanding the historical and literary context of uh, this in, in Micah's world? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what's so fun about this book in particular, have, being chosen for this moment, because Re- Micah was a rural prophet. He came from uh, the countryside. He was not a big city prophet. Um, so if you're, if you're picturing kind of a, a rural prophet of today, uh, a lot of times the word prophet in modern parlance is used for people who are very urban or who are very kind of jet setters or whatever it might be. Uh, <laughs> but Micah was rural. So if you're in a situation, if you're in a, a parish setting that is more rural, that feels more resistant to these topics, I would start perhaps with just fleshing out that aspect of Micah, that he was a country boy. Um, and there's different ways, you know, all sorts of illustrations and creative ways you could do that. But uh, just to name that fact and really lift that up in people's imaginations will help uh, connecting to this prophet. For the, for the historical moment that Micah was speaking to, really large empires were just hovering at the gates of this small nation of Judah. Um, it's sort of like the, the scene in the movie where the walls are closing in or the enemies are surrounding. That's, that's where Micah is right now. It's a really tense time period. Um, he's prophesying both to the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And he, he prophesies, um, we don't know exactly when, but what it seems to be is both right at the moment when the northern kingdom is destroyed or is taken over by Assyria. So he's at a moment of national turmoil. And there's definite reasons why God has sent a prophet at this moment in time. And the way we get at that reasons is through the the literary structure of the book. How's that structure laid out? Well, it's very, it's, uh, there's a progress to the book that builds and builds and builds through chapter five, and then sort of pauses when you get to chapter six. And I, I do think that that's important and even helpful for people as they're listening to this sermon. Chapters one and two both name the fact that disaster is about to strike and say why. What was going on at that time was some really serious social and economic evil that went completely contrary to God's vision for the community. God envisioned a community that was living by mishpat, as we talked about earlier, that was living by this structure of justice where the vulnerable are cared for and where nobody is taking advantage of each other. And that vision has been flipped on its head where the vulnerable are completely being taken advantage of and nobody is taking care of each other. Chapter three says why. And essentially what it says is, look, y'all, you got some bad folks in power right now. The rulers are not sending the message of righteousness and justice that God pictures for God's community. And so disaster is going to strike. So does that sound like a, a good sermon so far, Tim? <laughs> real real uh, <laughs> pick me up there. Right. Thankfully, we do get to a pick-me-up in chapter four. And what that hope is, is walking in God's ways, in God's will, and in God's path. This is not a disaster that is inevitable. God is saying, in the days to come, life will be different. 
And there's this gorgeous promise in verses three to four, which is super uh, well known. He shall judge between many peoples and shall arbitrate between strong nations. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. And here's an important part. But they shall sit under their own vines and under their own fig trees, and no one shall make them afraid. I think one of the things that this is saying is that the reason they needed swords and spears and um, violence is because of fear, because of the fear they had of these oppressive nations, a fear which turned them towards violence. And what this vision says is there will come a day when that violence will no longer be a threat. And so you won't need the implements of war anymore for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. Mm-hmm. So that's the hope. But sometimes we love to stay in the hope. (laughs) We love to get to the hopey part and just stay there. Mm -hmm. But the book does not, because chapter 6, where our lectionary text picks up for today, is all about God still wanting things to change right now. Just because there's hope and promise for a beautiful future does not mean that God gives up on changing things right now. And that's where I think we can get to a really interesting place in this sermon, especially when you think of the civil rights movement. All of the hope and of the expectation from the 1960s and the 1970s, some of which has come to fruition, but in a lot of ways, there is still a great disparity between folks of color and white folks in the United States. And so this idea that God doesn't give up on changing things now, even though in Christ there's neither Jew nor Gentile, freed, slave, man, woman. God says that's wonderful and it's absolutely true. And yet there is still oppression now, which God wants us to tend to. Mm-hmm. You know, what might make for an interesting uh, sermon tie-in would be reading an excerpt from Dr. King's letter from a Birmingham jail, which is really mm. about, you know, there comes a time when uh, it doesn't make sense to wait, that things need mm. to change right now. So, so asking your congregation, you know, what do you hear the Holy Spirit asking you in this moment? What do you hear the Sp- Holy Spirit telling you that is doing justice, to love kindness, to walking humbly with our God in this month of February, in this Black History Month, what might be the one thing that you could do to change things just slightly, just a little bit? And I think it takes everybody. I I think there is a, a, a sense, a feeling in larger congregations that, well, we can just ignore the rural churches and they'll catch up, or we can just kind of breeze past the conservative churches and they'll catch up eventually. They'll evolve. I hear that language mm. of people who are evolved in their in their viewpoint. And I, I just kind of cringe at it because I think it takes everyone. Mm-hmm. But we cannot bring everyone to the table if we cannot even start that discussion. So I'm aware of the fact that everything I've said in this podcast could be used to justify a sort of white fragility, uh, a sense of you don't want to upset the apple cart, you don't want to upset the white people too much. And I I am fully aware of that. And perhaps that's part of the, the, the privilege and the sin of my reality as a white person. At the same time, I can't help but think, is there a way we can start that conversation 
that is that first step because every time we have this conversation, it needs to start with some first step. And is there an opportunity in this moment on February 2nd with this text, which is so resonant in our American reality to begin that first step somewhere? Yeah, well, I think that's that's a great invitation and maybe that's a good place to wrap up our conversation for today. So thanks, Rachel, and thank you all for listening. We appreciate your support of the podcast in the ways that you share it with your friends and to let people know about what's going on. If you would like to hear some of our back episodes, you can always find those at our website, firstreadingpodcast.com. Well, we look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, I'm Tim McNinch. And I'm Rachel Wren. Happy preaching. Happy preaching.